Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. episodes of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia and we have got a lot to go with Greg but very quickly I want to tell you that immediately after this show it'll be Bar Down Hockey Talk with Vinny Parisi and Frank Mueller. The guys have a great show planned for you so if you like hockey uh, tune in and if you don't like hockey tune in especially for the third period because they're going to talk Game of Thrones and a lot of other pop culture stuff so that last third of their show and then uh, to, uh, the Mac and Reed show will move to tomorrow because we're making way for Buffon 55's debut next week John Buffon the nephew of Doug Buffon is back and uh, he's going to bring the energies he's renewed spirit he's a lot more positive about the Bears prospects than he was back in January so it should be a fun debut for him next week uh science fiction is at on at 9 p.m and then also i want to let you know that the bear debate show uh will have its third episode tomorrow night jack wright versus danny shimon that should be a good one but first you came here to listen and talk with greg gabriel let me bring him in now greg how are you my friend i'm good how about you though you're the one who was under the weather. Yes, I was. And I had a hellacious Sunday. Uh, woke up feeling well, and then about a half hour later, I just started vomiting up a storm and uh, rushed Make, over. Making love to the porcelain bowl, huh? Oh, my goodness. It, I, I know it well now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you feel better. I do. I do feel a lot better. Thank you very much. And, boy, we've got a lot to talk about because we haven't talked since before the Seahawks game. But before we spend some time evaluating the play of uh, certain players from that game, I want to play a piece of video for you, for you from someone I'm sure you know very well, a man named Mike Martz, who offered this assessment of Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. I don't know if I'm going to like this. You know, Fields is a guy that is not a uh... – he makes a lot of mistakes, not particularly accurate at times. He's not a quick read and react guy, and he's on a horrendous team, talent-wise. Um, but that's, uh, I don't know if I've seen an offense that bad in talent since the 0-16 Detroit Lions. You know, they just don't have anybody there. I think if you put Rodgers down there, Rodgers would be last in this list, too. You know, so. Wow. I mean. When, I when was that made? This was published yesterday by Mike Martz over at the 33rd football team uh, website. Okay. I, I, I promised myself I wouldn't swear today. Oh, Mike Martz. I re read my lips. <laughs> Has nothing to do with taxes, right? <laughs> and, and, and he doesn't have a little ax to grind with the Chicago Bears, does he? Uh, yeah, I, I immediately thought that in the middle of what he was saying. He sounded like a despondent uh, or, or, or a jealous. Uh, and and I, I got to tell you, because I worked with Mike Martz for a year, and he's a nice guy, mm -hmm. but he's like a thousand years behind the times. Mm -hmm. He brought his, you know, 
great offense from the St. Louis Rams here. But the problem is everybody else in the league had caught up to it. Right. And you couldn't – in his offense, you can't audible. You can't ch- – and everybody around the league knows that. Every defensive coordinator knows it. Mm-hmm. They just gear up, and, and you saw in the one game, Jay Cutler got sacked, what, nine times in the first half or something like this? Mm-hmm. You know, screw Mike Martz. Thank the you. game the game passed him by. Yes. Uh, and I, I was excited when Martz arrived on the scene because, of course, uh, his work with the Rams was uh, record-breaking, and uh, he certainly sounded like he knew what he was doing. But when he um, – what was behind the Greg Olson trade? Wasn't it because he wanted a blocking tight end and not a power? Yeah, tight end? that's where he didn't, like I said a couple of minutes ago, he didn't evolve with the game. Right. Well, when he was had his offense in, in St. Louis, the tight end was primarily a blocker. Well, in the meantime, the tight end was starting to become a big part of offenses. That's mm-hmm. one of the main reasons we drafted uh uh, Greg and he refused to use them, and so you know it was like we, we he he brings in this big three hundred and twenty pound tight end who is actually an extra tackle and he you know I'm seventy one years old with with coming off a torn Achilles and a and a knee replacement and I could run faster than that guy and <laughs> shit you know it. it, it it was just old time football. Like when he came out with it, he was ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he's way behind the curve, and he's never changed. You know, and he he coached in the AAF, I believe. Yeah. Before. He stunk. Their yeah. team was awful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he never had any other success other than his time yeah. uh, with the Rams. Uh, right. And so I I, I don't want to hear about Mike Martz, and <clears throat> I don't want to hear about. They don't have this player that don't have that player. But what I want you to do is hang on to that clip. I will indeed. Because <laughs> we want to go back to that later in the year. Not that this team's going to be a playoff team, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I but I think they're going to be a lot better than many of the national media, speaking of the game in St. Louis or in <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> Well, let's go there. So uh, the performance by the Chicago Bears versus the Seattle Seahawks uh, last Thursday night was impressive. And uh, the national media was eating their words when they were saying it's the worst team in football. I saw your tweet. Well, if the Bears are the worst team in football, then what does that make the Seattle Seahawks? Give us your evaluation of the game and or media. Uh, Well, you know, number one, and I, 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 wrote about this the next day in, in uh, Windy City Gridiron. I, you know, I've known Lewis Riddick a long time. Mm-hmm. And Lewis and I are friends. We worked together in Philly. We, uh, uh, I've known him since he was at Pitt. I worked him out uh, when he was at Pitt for the New York Giants. Mm. Uh, so he's a, he's a good guy. He's the nephew of Rob Riddick, who played for the Buffalo Bills and is uh, – uh, his cousin was uh, uh, grew up in Buffalo, so Lewis spends a lot of time in Buffalo. Uh, he's really a good guy. And I think, for the most part, he's a pretty astute analyst, except, you know, he had a – and I'm throwing a dart at the wall here, but I think I'm 100% right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on the Bears bandwagon the last couple of years because he's t- tight with with Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I work with Lewis, and I work with Nagy too. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, Andy kept the, the – and I was only there one year, but Andy kept the, the coaches away from the personnel department. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get to really know Matt. Met him, talked to him a little bit, but didn't get to know him. But, you know, Lewis was in the office with him every day for years. And, you know, they became good friends. And and but so Nagy gets fired and all of a sudden the team he's fired up about sucks. You know, and, you know, that's his take. And Orlovsky? those guys did not do their homework for that game. And that's what disappointed me. They just didn't have a clue. They were talking in the second half. They were talking about linebackers and, you know, the Roquan Smith uh, contract dispute and off the ball uh, linebackers don't deserve X amount of dollars and all that. Well, in general, you can make that comment, but, Every team is different, and the value of a position to a team and to a scheme can be different. And in this scheme, the most important player on the defensive side of the football is the Will linebacker. Mm -hmm. And the guy who played that position in Indianapolis under Flus the last few years is making $19.5 million a year. Not bad. Now he went. He went in the same draft as Roquan. Mm-hmm. He went in the second round, like the first or second pick in the second round, and, and Roquan obviously a, a top eight, top seven selection. Uh, it remains to be seen how Roquan is going to play in this scheme because he hasn't played any yet. But I think he's going to just knock it out of the park mm-hmm. right, right from the get go. So. Uh, the one thing you've got to have in this scheme uh, as the will are, are two things, speed and instincts, and he's got them both. So do you disagree with Brad Biggs, who uh, today wrote on his uh, 10 Thoughts uh, newsletter? I just saw it in my email box. Brad writes that the issue with Roquan's salary is positional value. Uh, off the ball linebackers aren't the final pieces teams look at, are looking to get over the top. Usually, add um, is that going to be an impediment for Roquan Smith to make that twenty million dollars, um, or is is this just a wait and see? Let's see how he performs on this defense, and if he performs a la a Leonard, he will be making more than Leonard because it'll be his turn. Well. That all remains to be seen. I don't agree with Pratt only because of what I just said. Right. It's the it, it's the position in relation to the scheme, mm-hmm. and in, in a lot if if they were still playing the scheme they played last year, then I'd say he's a hundred percent correct because you know you're being asked to do different things and you don't hold the importance that the will holds to this particular scheme. So um, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but you know, I, if there's one thing I know, I know the scheme 
haven't worked with it. And, and I know Flus takes it a lot further than, than Loving ever did. And I know the importance of the, of the will to the scheme. Mm-hmm. Now, you look at, you know, the, the two high-paid off-the-ball linebackers, and I, I don't like that term personally. Um, you got Shaq Leonard in, in Indy, and you've got um, – now I've gone brain dead. you got Fred Warner in San Francisco. Fred Warner, yeah. Okay, both are – I think Warner's like 19.1 average, give or take, but it's over 19. Mm-hmm. And um, Shaq is 19.5. Well, you put Roquan in that neighborhood – I'm gonna. I, I don't say he's gonna have to beat Shaq, but you got to put him in the same neighborhood, and he's gonna take the deal. Now, none of us have seen what the Bears actually offered. There's rumors to the fact out there that it was in that neighborhood, so to speak, but it was back end loaded. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's false, but. And I, I wrote about this the other day, too, you know, because when Roquan finally, when he started practicing and then that same day, he had sit in front of the media and talk and then somebody, and I didn't listen to that interview, but I read some excerpts from it and, and you know, he said, well, what did you think of the negotiations? And the word out of his mouth was distasteful. And I totally get that. Why? because he's doing the damn thing himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not easy. And, and I've sat negotiations before they're, they're, they're not fun. Mm-hmm. And when, when you have an agent, the agent's experienced in doing these types of things. Okay. He knows exactly how the team is going to, uh, present their case. And really that's what it is. It's like you're in a court of law. Right. The, the, the agent's presenting his case for the player and he's got his comps and the team has got their caps. Now they know there, you know, you, there's going to be a middle ground and they're going to make a deal, but their job, Cliff Stein's job is to make the best deal he can for the club. So he's trying to save as much money as he can. Yeah, and I think, and I'm throwing a dart at the wall here, and I apologize for that. But I think Roquan just thought, okay, I want 19 and a half, 20 million dollars. They're going to give it to me because I'm that good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You got to work for that, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you're going to hear them insult you. Well, you're an off the ball linebacker. Most of off the ball linebacker because they're going to use that argument. Mm-hmm. Only because it's part of the negotiation process. Right. And the term take it or leave it is also a commonly used term in negotiations. It's never really take it or leave it, but a lot of people will throw that around from both sides. Isn't that correct? Um, yeah, it, it, it can be. But I, I don't know if, to me, that's like a last resort mm-hmm. type thing. It, it, it depends on you know who who you have negotiating the contract. Now, I, I've sat in the room with Cliff Stein, and, and I've talked to agents who have negotiated, excuse me, multiple contracts with Cliff Stein, mm-hmm. and 
every single one of them. I have never heard a person who sits on the other side of the table say a negative thing about Cliff Stein. In fact, you know, Joe Banner is a is a friend of mine, former Brown and Eagle executive. Mm-hmm. And when there was stuff going on with A-Rob last year, he's sending me uh, DMs, you know. Why don't they put Stein back in there? He's the best in the business. Now, this is a guy who is, you know, and, and let me preface that a little bit. Stein is originally from Philly. Mm-hmm. He went to Temple. And so, and, and he was an agent. Stein was an agent himself. So he knows that role. Mm-hmm. And being that he was in Philly, this is one of the guys that I think Joe took under his wing and tried to, to help when he, when he was a young agent. And, and so, you know, Joe has, a, you know, has taken a liking to him. But I'll, I'll give you another example. Brian Arol was the original agent for Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay, there, and Todd France was involved too. Brian and Todd were partners. They are no longer partners why? Because they had their own, um, well, it goes way back. Terry Pagula, who owns the Buffalo Bills and, and the Buffalo Sabres, he owned the agency that, and, and his two agents were Todd France and, and Brian Arrow. Brian's originally a Buffalonian, played quarterback at the University of Buffalo. And when Pagula bought the Bills, he had to sell the agency. So I think they bought it themselves and then merged with CAA. The last year, beginning of this year, somewhere around Todd France broke away from CAA. So that partnership between Todd and and Brian, you know, obviously dissolved. They had, some of them had clients by themselves. Some of them were, were, were joint clients like they had the Bosa brothers, you know, know who was the primary guy. You know, I, I don't, I don't know all that. I think in Roquan's case, Roquan or uh, Brian was, was the primary agent. Brian did not like the former negotiator here, Joey Lane. Not at all. Mm. Said it to me several times Mm. in, in conversations. He goes, if Cliff was the on the sitting on the other side of the table, I would have had this done long before camp. You know, so I, I just wanted to give you some some background. Yeah, that's great. On, on, on what you know, what people think of Cliff, and and hey, I'm I'm going to jump on the table for for Cliff every day because he's a friend. He's been a friend for for 21 years now. I know I'm, I've known him a long time, and he's a really really good guy. Sam says that he remembers when Stein was negotiating contracts, the Bears were consistently among the first, if not the first team, to sign all of their draft picks every year. I sort of remember that, too. He, uh, he certainly has a, a good reputation. So um, it'll be interesting to follow that, but I am glad that Roquan has said, that's it, I'm not negotiating during the season, and he, if uh, we're going to take him at his word, and there's no reason why not to. Well, he, needs, he, needs to he needs to hire an agent, and why he doesn't, you know, now whether it was the breakup between Todd and Brian, I, I don't know the answers to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I haven't talked to Brian in, in a few months and, 
you know, I could pick up the phone and ask him, but frankly, it's not my business. So why should I, you know, right. I, I don't, I don't like to go into areas that, that aren't my business. Yeah. So, but I, but I think that, that he needs to uh, hire a guy, have him do the negotiation. And I think a deal will get done. Mm -hmm. I also think that if he plays as good as we think he plays, mm -hmm. he's going to easily get that money. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and the bears, are, it, it's been written. Everybody knows that they're still in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. You know, they can franchise him next year. Right. And he didn't, and he didn't seem, you know, that bad. If somebody brought it up, he goes, well, it's twice as much money as I'm making right now. Cause he's making like nine and a half. Right. And, and the franchise tag a year ago was, uh, you know, going in for this year was like 18.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was surprised at his reaction, too, regarding the franchise tag. It sounded like, uh, yeah, put, sign me up for that immediately. Um, want to talk about the offensive line and their performance against, against the Seattle Seahawks. You know, I've read all sorts of things that they were improved, that they were awful. Uh, I mean, it's almost the narrative now is that the offensive line, no matter what happens, is just going to be putrid this season. What did you think of Tevin Jenkins at right guard? And what did you think overall of the play of the offensive line in Seattle? I thought, well, first of all, the left, the, the center, the left guard, and the left tackle played that one series. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yep. So they were out, Braxton Jones, Whitehair, and Mustafer. And, and for all the Mustafer haters out there, he played pretty damn good. Because I looked at, I mean, it was only 12 plays or something. Or, mm -hmm. But he didn't miss a block in those 12 plays. Mm -hmm. Got out to the second level. Tevin Jenkins played excellent. I had one missed block. He got beat to the outside and pass pro gave up a pressure. Um, I think in his second series, not his first series. Because uh, he played most of the first half. Aside from that, he played really good. Dan Durkin put out a video. I don't know if you've seen it. I it's, on, it. it's on YouTube. He, I just put it out like a day or two ago. Uh, it's every snap that that Tevin played last week. I'll look for that. And uh, it's like Chicago Bears preseason, Tevin Jenkins snap by snap or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was on Twitter. I saw the, the link on Twitter, so then I – I just wrote down the link and then got on my iPad and, and, and watched it because you could, I mean, I could do the same thing at home. It's just the TV tape, but I, uh, you know, you're, you're just concentrating then on one player. He puts the arrow on him. He played really good. And when you figure in or factor in that he had two days of practice, that's mm -hmm. it at that position. Mm -hmm. freaking amazing. Yeah. Hey. And there was times and, and you know, I don't know. Did you listen to uh, Mustafer's uh, press conference yesterday? No, I missed it. Okay. Well, Mustafer was, you know, talking about loaves and stuff. And I, I don't know if he was mentioning, I think it was from the, from practice or it might've been the first game, but he got graded with four loaves. Mm. And, and he, I mean, it really like kind of upset him because you got to go, you got to go all out, snap to whistle mm -hmm. or they, they give you a loaf. Mm -hmm. Well, there's some plays. If you go back and, and you just concentrate on the 30-something plays that Tevin played, there's plays when he's knocking the dog shit out of people 
<laughs> seven, eight yards down the field. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and he's just, you know, he's going snap to whistle. Mm-hmm. And, which brings me to the point is, and again, I'm throwing a dart at the wall. Mm-hmm. I think all this stuff from a few weeks ago was a uh, on-purpose motivational ploy. I was thinking about that yesterday, uh, uh, Greg, that you, you had said that, I think a show or two ago, that all of that hoopla regarding uh, Tevin Jenkins might have been a kind of a planned approach by the Chicago Bears to just fire uh, something up under his butt. Well, you know, uh, there goes my, I'm not going to swear on this show. (laughs) Hey, son, shitter, get off the pot here. (laughs) Play up to your ability. They know he's got talent. Mm -hmm. And now, when you watch it, he's got enormous talent. Now, I'm going to wait a little bit, see what he does in, in regular season games. But there's a guy, when you watched him on last Thursday against Seattle, there's a guy you could compare him to. But I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else until we see it for real in the regular season. Okay. And then uh, the, 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 we can close the book on, on Tevin in a bit. How about then Schefter comes out Saturday and he's still on the trading block. Yeah, so yeah, somebody's wanna... somebody's given Shefty bad information, <laughs> and I'll tell you, and and you know, I I, I wrote about it, mm-hmm. I tweeted it. You're not going to waste the last thing you're going to do, or a coach is going to do, is waste his time, waste his group's time, and waste the team's time for a guy, and and put that guy with the ones to have him be on the trading block. Mm-hmm. That means they're not planning on being there. Why they haven't them practice with the ones? That makes just total sense. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's like that's that that goes back. That's before football one on one. That's mm-hmm. like football one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, and somebody said, "Well, to get them exposure, well, you can get them exposure working in the second half with the twos. Exactly, <laughs> it'd be better, <laughs> right? You know, so then that's the exposure. But he's taking a valuable practice time because the ones get eighty percent of the damn snaps, mm-hmm. yep. if not more now, because now you're getting into game plan week. You know, so the, so really, the ones are going to get more like ninety percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw you wrote that over at Windy City Gridiron. I thought it was a great point. Uh, And everyone listening on the audio podcast, make sure you get over to WindyCityGridiron.com and check out Greg's writing there. It's really fantastic. Um, All right, so what about Justin Fields against Seattle? He played that first series. Uh, I think that the some of the criticism that I read about him was much more related to pressure and him being forced out of the pocket too quickly. I didn't necessarily think the, the offensive line was terrible, but what are your thoughts? Well, there was one pressure where it was a blitz Mm -hmm. and, you know, and Khalil Herbert was in there and he didn't pick up the, the blitz, not that play, but there was another one. Right. It was coming. It was coming from the defensive left, offensive right side, mm-hmm. where the guy came up in his face, and and uh, Khalil just didn't pick up the blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, did he leave a little bit early? That was the one play. Play that. Can you play that one over? Sure. That might have been the play where where Tevin I thought got beat to the outside. Huh. No, that's not it. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't have them in order, but it'll pop okay. up here in a second. Let me see. Let me. It's the next play after this. Yeah, that, no, that's not it. Yeah, it's, it's, he got over. That was an outside guy that he picked up. He did actually. That's it right there. Okay, that's the only play that that I gave him a bad, a, a negative grade for. And actually, Justin could have stepped up on that mm-hmm. because Kevin recovered. Tevin recovered quickly enough or quick enough to uh, allow uh, Justin to step up in the pocket and make the throw. Mm-hmm. But he, he made some good throws. He had one freaking drive. They got down. They, they uh, you know, they stopped the, the third and short on the swing pass to Khalil Herbert. Uh, it was a really good play by the defense. They got their three points. It's the opening drive of the game. He got three points. That's a positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I, I think you're really going to get an opportunity to grade him this week because he's going to be playing more in one series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, theoretically, they're going to play a half. I don't know if they'll actually play the half. Said he wants to get him 25 to 30 snaps. You get two drives like you had in that opening drive there. They might play a quarter and a half or, or just a quarter if they get – you know, the right amount of snaps in. Right. So it, it depends on what happens there. Now I, I, and going back to that, cause I, I, and I love big G and he's a good friend, but he had, I think he wrote on Sunday that, or might've been Saturday that he doubts the, the starters will play much. And I said, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you know, I, you got a new offensive scheme and a new coaching staff new defensive scheme and you know you're not playing four preseason games anymore you're playing three this is still the third preseason games and you got two weeks between now and opening game huge those guys are going to play when you have an established team it's a different story Hmm. okay the buffalo bills kansas city chiefs or whatever you know you could you can let your guys rest but these guys got got to get some reps they got to play they got to learn to play together Mm-hmm. Especially when the, the the offensive line, as we see it right now, they've played one series together in a game. That's it. It's almost unfair to compare, you know, to evaluate, I should say, the Chicago Bears defense against the Seahawks team because they really were abysmal in their uh, in most of their execution of their game plan. But share with me what were your thoughts overall with the Chicago Bears D. I love the way the defense is playing. Mm-hmm. They're aggressive. And and even, you know, the starters, and, and there's guys that didn't even play, but then they're, they're starters that that played a little bit, and then they had, but the backups played most of the way. The guys who are impressive are the backups. Those guys are flying to the ball. Mm-hmm. They They shut down the Seahawks. They played most of the game. They shut them down totally. They did indeed, and and they it's two weeks in a row they've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I I think that part's impressive. You know, I, part of the thing I wrote on, in uh, Windy City Gridiron, I said, and it, there's guys that haven't even played yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Roquan hasn't played. Uh, Mario hasn't played. Um, you know, when, when are these guys going to get in? That and I, you know, I also wrote that, wrote that on offense. You know, Re, Riley 
Reef hasn't played, Davenport hasn't played, and Davenport got cut. Well, they, they saw enough of Davenport in camp, in practice, to know that they, they didn't want him. Um, now, you know, is that the same thing with, with Edwards? I, you know, I can't answer that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, based on what I saw last year, uh, you know, I think he's still going to be a valuable piece to this line. And I know that he wants to rotate seven or eight defensive linemen in the course of a game. Mario Edwards has to make this team unless there's something going on that we're not aware of, whether it's an injury or he's just been playing poorly in practice and that there have been no reports of that whatsoever. No, I, think that, that, it, it, I honestly think that they um, just, you know, he's a, it, there's, there's guys that can hold out because they know what they can do. Mm-hmm. And he's one of them. But, um, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, they gave pretty good sum of money to, Al-Kadeem Muhammad, he's actually running with the twos. Mm-hmm. But the twos, if, if you look at, at how they played in Indianapolis last year, those guys play as much as the ones, mm-hmm. except for, you know, like Buckner in, in, uh, uh, in Indianapolis, where he's, he might play 80% of the snaps. But, you know, they he wants fresh guys in there. So you got to have seven or eight that are playing. And hopefully if it's seven, you got to have one interior guy has got to be able to play both positions, mm-hmm. the one and the three. Yeah. You, um, you tweeted out or retweeted a Brian Baldinger, uh, video evaluation video on Jack Sanborn. And, uh, you, you commended a Baldy on his work in evaluating uh, Sanborn. This guy has been Im- impressive. You know, the scouting reports on him didn't have the athleticism, didn't have the length, but could po- potentially make the team if he plays well in special teams. Well, he's not only played well in special teams, as Allen Williams, the special teams coordinator, said today early in her press conference, but he's just played well whenever he's gotten the opportunity. Is How big of a surprise is that to you? And can you see Sanborn eventually being a starting linebacker in the National Football League? Uh, I I don't know if I can see him being a, a starter in the National Football League. It's too early to say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, he's got to be able to play fast, play instinctively, and he does that. Mm-hmm. Okay, he he's very quick reacting, uh, and that last play he showed his coverage ability. He, uh, I, I don't know if this is going to be the play here where he goes to the outside, flips the block, and makes the tackle. You know, he makes plays. Mm-hmm. He finds the football. And Bill Parcells turns it, you know, makes it the other way around. The football finds him. <laughs> you know, and he's made, as, as mentioned in uh, special teams coach uh, Presser earlier today, he said that um, – I think he's got four tackles on special teams in two games. Yes, that, he does. That, that's pretty damn good. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to be on the 53. That's a lock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how my my one guy, my one sacred cow, favorite cat, uh, Caleb Johnson got dinged up last week. I thought he was done the way that, you know, they got yeah. entangled and he was laying on the ground for a while, but then he got walked off. I don't know how long he's he's out for. Mm-hmm. 
know, could he be an IR guy? I mean, right now, you know, three years ago, you put a guy on IR, you only could bring back two, and they had to say six weeks. Now you can bring back as many as you want, and it's four weeks. You know, so I, I think you're going to see a few guys. Um, Thomas Graham, you know, has been dinged up. And to, to put a guy on IR, it's got to be like a – well, They because you have to stay on four weeks. It could be – it used to be they had to have at least a six-week injury for you to put him on IR. Mm-hmm. But it's retroactive back to when he got the injury. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Thomas Graham hasn't practiced in a damn three and a half weeks or something. You know, so, you know, he could probably go on IR next Tuesday. Um, Caleb Johnson might be able to go on IR. I don't even want to guess on what the 53 is. I think there's going to be some surprises. There usually are. You know, there's going to be fans saying, what the hell did they cut him for? Well, (laughs) don't forget, they're seeing practice every day. They're grading every single play in practice, Mm -hmm. what he does in games and what he does in meetings. And, you know, how, how, how he reacts to everything. So it's, it's more than just what we see in a preseason game. The, um, the uh, cuts have been announced, at least five of them. Uh, the team still is at 80 players and, and still need to get to 53 sometime next week. So uh, next, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central. So the biggest name uh, was Daz Newsom, the six-round draft pick, a wide receiver who was having issues with the ball. Are you surprised or do, can you see, I mean, Newsom was released last season and, and came back. Can you potentially see the bears taking a look at him again, or is he done with the bears? I think he's done. Yeah. Uh, he's been unreliable with this group. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, two muff punts. He's got mm-hmm. drops in each game. He's got multiple drops in practice. What's a receiver supposed to do? Number one job, catch the damn ball. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he's not fast. He's quick, but he's not fast. I, I put on Twitter, people are saying he's got 4.38 speed. No, he doesn't. He could run 4.38 if you tape jet engines to his ankles. <laughs> he ran Four five nine four six four five seven four six one. Mm-hmm. There was no combine that year, so they had to get your times at the pro days, and his pro day times were four five seven four six one. So bye bye. <laughs> Speed is everything in this league. <laughs> uh, I mean, if he was reliable, mm-hmm. be a different story. But he's not. He's not reliable. Yeah. Yeah. I even, I, I think I mentioned in our last show, even the, uh, well, no, it wasn't on this show, but I mentioned it recently, even on the touchdown that he caught, he kind of bobbled it, double, double caught it. And it was lucky to, he established firm possession before getting out of bounds. So good luck to uh, Daz Newsom and his future endeavors. Um, let's get to some questions here because there's some, some of them are related to what we're talking about. The wide receiver position. Tareen asks, should the Bears take a look at, uh, the former Cincinnati Bengal was released yesterday, Auden Tate. Uh, no, he can't run. He cannot run. Another guy who, who just doesn't have the speed for this game. Oh, huh? and, and you've got 
two big. He's a tall guy. Right, six five. Okay, big. Okay, you got EQ, mm-hmm. and you got and Keel Harry, who will be back sometime. He could be another guy that's placed on IR next week mm-hmm. if he's not going to be ready to go right off the bat. You know, we're not going to know the answers until you know for six more days. Right. Um, no, they're, they're, but will they bring in? Will they claim? Well, l- let me let me explain how waivers work. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people already know, but just so we got it out there, the only right now the only people that go through waivers are people that are not vested veterans, mm-hmm. so they don't have four accrued seasons in the league. They have to go through the waiver process. If a player has four accrued seasons. Like Davenport got cut yesterday. He did not get waived. He got released because he's a Western veteran. Mm-hmm. He could have signed a new contract with another team last night. He does not have to wait the 24-hour waiver period to see if you get claimed. Right. He can't He can't get claimed. He's a free agent at 3 o'clock Central Time mm-hmm. of the day he gets released. And at 3.05, if he wants, he can – sign with another team. So that being said, you can, there could be some veteran receivers now. And that's, that's what the pro department does now is they prioritize guys. And there's could be guys, they're going through all the rosters mm-hmm. and, and, and they're anticipating this guy's going to make it. This guy's going to get caught or whatever. And they got their priority list. Of, of guys in certain positions that if in fact they become available, they might want to go after. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name wide receiver played up a green Bay plays for Buffalo. Now. Um, oh, let's see. Buffalo, Buffalo. Um, somebody in the chat room will come up with that instantly. I'm sure. Come on, chat room. Don't he's, let him. he's on the bubble, but he also, you know, he's a big X receiver. Mm-hmm. And um he is it Crumolo or something like that. The um oh uh he played at Wisconsin. He played at a small school. Yeah, Kumaro. Kumaro. I said Crumolo. Kumaro. <laughs> um he but he knows the scheme. Mm-hmm. He can play on specials. Uh, he could be a guy that if get really because the, the Bills got a young guy they drafted two years ago. Uh, his name is Higgins from mm-hmm. Oregon State, and he was dinged up both his his first two years and on IR and practice squad and stuff. And the opening preseason game, I think he had eight or nine catches, mm-hmm. and then he followed up with a good game last week against Denver. So. Kumaro could be a bubble guy. And he's obviously well-known by Getze. So could that be a guy that if he comes free, they'd be, you know, I'm throwing a dart at the wall. I don't know. Sure. You know, that's up to the coaching staff. But it's a guy who, you know, in like one practice would be up to speed. Mm Mm-hmm you know, as far as what, what, what they're being asked to do. So um, there's probably going to be a few guys. I, I would not be surprised 
because I know some people who know polls pretty well. And it, it just wouldn't shock me that they that next week sometime, not necessarily on waiver claims, could be waiver claims and or veterans, that there's three or four guys on this team opening day that aren't on the roster today. Well, and Ryan Poe said, you know, this team could potentially look a lot different uh, in, in a week from now than it does now. He said that uh, at, at the, to ESPN at, the, at Seattle. So we'll see. Uh, he's definitely looking to improve the wide receiver position, he said, by adding a big target. So that's an interesting point, given, as you mentioned earlier in the show, Greg, that this team does have some big targets already. already. So he, maybe he was just trying to confuse the folks. At I just said, you know, Alden Tate has, has never really done a whole lot in the league. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like a, a, a later round pick. He can't run that well. Um, th th put it this way. The two guys they got are a lot better. Mm -hmm. The two big, tall receivers, mm -hmm. they're a lot better. Absolutely. So, so, and, and that's, you know, assuming Harry is going to be, you know, yeah, he might miss a month. Now, here's another important thing when it comes to veterans. And we've talked about this before, but you just got to, bring it up. There could be a veteran they like and they could make a little side deal with them, but they're not going to sign him after the first game. Mm -hmm. And that's because if he's on the roster, if he's a vested veteran and he is on the 53 man roster for the opening game, mm -hmm. his contract is guaranteed for the year. Even if he gets cut two weeks later, he's getting paid for the whole year. Yeah. That's not the case with a non-vested vet. So if you bring in a vet the day after the first game, now his contract becomes week to week, hmm. just like, you know, the young guys. All right, let's uh, tackle another question here. Uh, Leo Factor asks, uh, there's, Mike Gusecki is now on the trade block. He's been franchise tagged. Evan, Evan, Evan Jenkins was on the trade block, I thought. Kevin. I don't believe half those stuff they say they're on the trade block. <laughs> yeah, he's franchise tagged, and so they're probably having negotiations issues. And so, that... well, they can't nego they can't negotiate now on a franchise tag. Oh, okay. July fifteenth was the drop dead day. Okay, he's got to pay, and and who you know, I don't know what the franchise tag is for a tight end. You'd have to look it up. Or mm. what we're talking, they got to pay him. That's guaranteed money. He signed the tag. Right. Okay, so whoever trades for him has got to pay, you know, that sum of money, and it's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times you put stuff like out there like that, let it leak just to see if you get some ridiculous call. Mm -hmm. But Jazeki's been a pretty good player. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if you keep track. See, DK Metcalf, he was going to get traded. <laughs> um, he, McLaurin in Washington, he was going to get traded. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. They don't get traded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Highly unlikely he'll be dealt. And uh, in my opinion, highly unlikely the, the Bears would want to pay. Debo Samuels was going to get traded. Yeah, that's right. He signed a nice contract. Uh, okay. You know, I, I don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Leo has a follow-up question regarding a different topic. Uh, how different will Roquan play in the new scheme? Will he play downhill more, more coverage? How will Roquan's play change in this new cover two Iberflus style defense? Well, I hate the term cover two because cover, cover two basically says you're playing zone and they're not really playing that much zone. It's a misnomer. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a misnomer. But put on – Put on old games and you can get them if you've got uh, NFL game day when Lovey was here mm -hmm. and watch how Lance Briggs was playing. That's how we, or, or put on Colts tape from last year and watch how Shaq Leonard was playing. Mm -hmm. That's what they're going to ask Roquan to do. Is he down? Uh, yeah. He, uh, if you look at the design of the defense, everything runs through the will. Mm-hmm. He's designed the, the defense is designed for him to be the playmaker, which is a, which is great to hear because I think he's more than capable of doing that. Um, all right, uh, let's go to Thomas Gage is asking. A number of other people have want your thoughts on Trenton Gill, the special teams player of the preseason so far, uh, even more than Valus says Thomas. So. What are your thoughts on Trenton Gill? Was this a, a steal by uh, Ryan Post or too early to tell? Um, no, we, we talked about him, what, last week? Yes, we I only did. got one negative on Gill, and that's he's a three-step punter. Yeah. But he has shortened that. And I was watching, they had a, uh, I, I watched some of it actually this morning from the Seattle game because they did like an end zone shot of the kick, and he's really shortened that first step. Mm -hmm. on, on the three-step. So Good. it's um, – and and actually the guy in Buffalo, uh, right, Razia, who, you know, kicks – those two were the two best in the draft. And he's also – he's like a two-and-a-half-step guy. That's so neither one of them have that get-off quickness that you would prefer uh, that some people have, but – they kick the hell out of the ball. And, and what, what Gill does is he gets really good hang time. And th that's actually something that Arazia doesn't necessarily get. He had an 82-yard kick in the opening preseason game, Razia did. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a 62-yard net kick because it went in, you know, went into the other end zone. Mm -hmm. So um what this guy does, though, is is place the ball inside the 15 or even the 10-yard line, mm -hmm. and he gets a lot of hang time. You look, there's been very little returns mm -hmm. by the, the uh, opponent punt return teams. And the other thing, he kicked off a little bit last Thursday, mm -hmm. and he doesn't – now, I think part of it in preseason is by design because you want to see who the hell can cover kicks. So they don't necessarily want to touch back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, but he was kicking like two yards deep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, you know, the guy's going to bring it out. Mm -hmm. But the hang time was superb. And, and so by the time the guy catches the ball at the goal line or two yards deep, everybody's already down there. Mm -hmm. and, and that, and, and Williams was talking about that today in his presser. He says he wants to and, – and he said that's the beauty of having two guys that can kick off. He said they, the other team's got a game plan for both of them. 
because they don't know who I'm going to put out there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, sophisticated thought uh, is wondering about your thoughts on uh, Cole Komet. He had a few reps, but he believes his arrow is pointing up. Then he also likes Griffin, the solid vet, uh, and O'Shaughnessy. He thinks that this tight end group for the Bears could be underrated. Your thoughts on the Bears tight ends? I like the tight end group, but, you know, the the rookie free agent from Iowa State is pretty damn good, too. How about it? And, and so is that Tongas who's playing – you know, both tight end and, and fullback. Mm -hmm. uh, theoretically, all of them deserve to make a team. Mm -hmm. They're not. Who's going to be gone? Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll find out. Again, the coaches, as I said, there, there could be some surprises. Mm -hmm. um, I think O'Shaughnessy is going to be here. You know, Komet's going to be here. Komet's going to have a big year. I mean, did you watch? Do you follow Clay Harbor at all on Twitter? Yes, excellent. Okay, um, Clay was a former tight end, moved tight end. Mm -hmm. He loves Komet. Mm -hmm. He thinks Komet's going to have a huge, huge season. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Harbor's a Chicago kid originally. Yeah, he is because uh, he was in. You know, after he got done with the NFL, he was in our uh, draft pool for the XFL. And he was actually at our, um, you know, they had like these showcase workouts at the eight different cities. So mm -hmm. he was he was at ours in, in D.C. And all the other clubs are there, but, you know, they just had eight different showcases at the, at the different cities. Mm -hmm. He did not work out very good. In other words, you know, the, his, his football was behind him yeah. at that point. But that doesn't take away from what he was when he was a pretty good player. Mm. Yeah, he uh, he he also achieved uh, some amount of fame because he was on the reality TV show The Bachelor, and uh, he he um, <laughs> became a social media star. Then. So is Je so is Jesse Palmer. <laughs> That's right. He is the host of the show. Um, yeah, but he was he was the original Bachelor. That is right. I forgot about that. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Former. That was Sean Payton's guy. In my last draft. Is that right? At the New York Giants. Yeah, that was right before I came here. Uh -huh. And we drafted just, I don't know, fourth, fifth round, something like that. And, you know, Peyton, we gave Peyton his pick of who he could take. And uh -huh. uh, that's the guy he wanted. Oh, should have probably rethought that maybe. <laughs> Well, he, he played in the league a few years. But. He did. That is true. That is true. Mike Gibson, I think we've talked about this. Uh, he's he's wondering if you're surprised that J.C. Treader is still unsigned and he thinks he might be a good, great option for the Bears. So you, you've talked about J.C. Hey, hey, there's no chance in hell he's going to be here. <laughs> I think there's minimal chance he's going to get signed. Yeah. Um, there's people that say he's being blackballed. I'm not going to say that. Uh, he's president of the Players Union. Mm -hmm. And so just by having that title, mm -hmm. he's got to be a little bit more outspoken. Mm -hmm. He was um, one of the guys that, uh, um, if not the loudest voice about the field conditions at at Soldier Field, which really weren't that bad. It looked bad. But looked bad. But looking bad and being bad are two different things. Indeed. Yes. And I remember I said that. I said, 
what what you saw then and what you're going to see on opening day in in little more than two weeks are two different fields. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think the field sometimes gets unfairly blamed. Yes, at times it has been really bad, but uh, the last few years it's actually been pretty good. Well, it's always re- redone. Mm-hmm. Right. The week before the opening game. Right. Takes a couple days. Mm-hmm. And and you know it's not like putting sod down in your backyard that's like this thick. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and quite the job. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, um, and now, which, you know, I knew the original turf they were bringing in from someplace south of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, but it was Illinois grown. Now they, they, they're actually putting in, at least for the early part of the season, because they'll change that turf three or four times during the course of the year mm-hmm. or the middle of it. You know, sometimes they just, you know, just on the outside of the hash marks, right? Right. They'll they'll do there in the middle, and you know what's ever worn. Mm. But they're going to be putting in a Bermuda type grass mm. for at least the opening part of the season. Now Bermuda, you get into October, Bermuda gets brown. Yes. Okay. It, and you know if you ever go down south and you look at a golf course, every golf course you look at has got brown fairways because they're all they're all Bermuda grass. That's right. And you know so. I can't see that being in here in November mm-hmm. and not just because, cause you can always paint it, not the color. I just don't know if it's going to wear good. And I don't know, you know, it, we, we'd have to have my guy um, from the bears on here. Oh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name, but yeah, he is superb when it comes to, you know, he used to be a golf course superintendent. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to do things. And, and, uh, but, you know, I, it really surprised me when I saw that, that they're putting in a Bermuda grass. Yeah, that's kind of a, su- a surprise. Um, know what you're not going to see with the Bermuda? You know how you got the, the like, stripes, so to speak? Right. Like in the baseball? You're not going to see that Bermuda. You can't really do it as yeah. well as you can, with say, with a ryegrass or a Kentucky bluegrass. Mm-hmm. All right, you know you were going to get your weekly Dieter Iceland uh, question. What did you think about him? I thought he had his best game as a Chicago Bear against the. He Seattle. played center and he played damn good. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he played so much better at center than he did at guard the previous week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except I still think he's going to be a practice squad guy again. Yeah. I think this might be his final year of eligibility at the practice. No, not, not really, because you can have you can have like four or five that five or six veterans now oh, on the okay. practice squad. They changed that rule two years ago. Okay. Used to be you could have like three years, but now they've changed that. And and uh you know, like the quarterback, like uh Peterman will mm-hmm. probably get cut and be put on the practice squad even though he's already, what, a five-year vet or something. Gotcha. Well, that's great for veterans that they, they can do that. Uh, Michael H. asked a question. What do you think about the discipline we've seen early in the preseason from this Bears team? I think we're all impressed that Matt Eberflus has really held these guys accountable. You mentioned earlier in the, sh- in the show Sam Mustafer uh, being cited for loafing on uh, three or four or five plays. This is great, and and I think we're really seeing something special on the football field in terms of attitude of these players. Do you agree with that? 
Well, I, I tweeted it out after the game mm-hmm. on, on Thursday. How about this? Do you know how many penalties they've had in three in two games? Mm-hmm. Eight. Oh my goodness, that's great. Jeez. Eight penalties total in two games. And usually the first preseason game has about 15. Yeah. First side, you know, and, and they had five or six the first game and two or three the second game. That is unbelievable. I know it is. And, and that's that's good coaching and disciplined play. And not having Charles Leno on the team. I'm just kidding, Charles. I love you. <laughs> All right, let's get a couple more out of the way. You know, Thomas brings up Isaiah Coulter. Do you think he's doing enough to get a roster spot? He is, to me, he's an intriguing talent. Well, he's very, very athletic. Mm-hmm. And he can run. Mm-hmm. He's still raw. I don't think he's a good route runner. Uh he has caught the ball, but when you watch beginning to end, I don't, I, you know, I, I think he's a practice squad guy myself, mm-hmm. uh, unless he is good on teams. And I can't give you the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I, but his, his speed is intriguing. Um, I think he had a drop in the first game, but he also had two or three catches. Mm-hmm. Uh he had yeah, that one play that was not challenged, and to me on the replay, it looked like he made a clean catch. He, he, he uh, in in the Seattle game. Yes, yes, that and, and you know, I I don't know if anybody ever asked Flus about that. Mm-hmm. He was asked about it. He said that two assistant coaches thought he did not make the catch, and they didn't have enough time to take a, a good hard look at it upstairs, which to me is inaccurate because didn't they call timeout immediately after the uh, now that part? I don't remember, but it was obviously the guy. It was a good catch. Yeah, it was definitely a good catch. So I, I think Flus is one. He got his hands underneath it. And now mm-hmm. here, here's the thing. And, and is that when you're in an opponent's stadium, Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily see the replays as quickly as you see them on TV. Great point. (laughs) You know, they can be a little slow getting those things up. And interesting. uh, Yeah, I know it's true. I mean, because I I remember, you know, when we were here with Jerry and and they're talking about Jerry, how do they get those things up so fast forward? You know, (laughs) slow it down. Especially when it's, you know, it's going to benefit the other team. Yeah. Renewable reminds me that it was a delay of game penalty. So they were probably waiting for the replay and they got a delay of game penalty and never got the replay. Yeah, then it's it's too late. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, uh, Renewable. Um, Our last question here, we've got so many good ones, but we can't get to them all. Our last question is, uh, because brother asked us about an hour ago, so I want to get to it. He wants to know, can you perceive can you can you phantom the idea of the bears winning 12 games this season no <laughs> you didn't even think about that no, I, I, hey would i would i love to see it the tenants i mean did anybody think that in Nagy's first year they'd make the playoffs no no <laughs> in the national football league anything's possible okay the the worst of first happens all the time mm-hmm. everything's got to click you got to get lucky mm-hmm. and you got to keep your key people injury free. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, that is the key. And my, my my thought is, if they get off to a fast start and they can win those first two games, surprise Green Bay week two on S- Sunday night football, and uh, surprise a, a a 49ers team at home with a new quarterback who the reports out of San Francisco is he's not exactly Trey Lance is not exactly, you know, uh, headed to the hall of fame after uh, his preseason play. But so those two games could be potential upsets. And then the schedule gets a little easier. Well, uh, first of all, I, 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 I don't know why it'd be an upset San Francisco. Well, I guess, uh, you know, they're a playoff team last year. I, I think they're going to beat San Francisco. Wow. I love Hell, it. they should have beat them last year here. Very true. Okay, and 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 they didn't have Lance playing quarterback; they had Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. So I I think they're they're going to beat San Francisco. Green Bay is going to be a different story. I I think a lot of it. I love that 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 Aaron Rodgers is pissed off at his receiving core. Yes, uh, <laughs> I so, saw that tweet. <laughs> uh, no, I said the one thing you know. <laughs> Randy Mueller was a former GM of the Saints and he's down to the Dolphins and now he's working in the XFL. And Randy's a really good guy. He's a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, he said something about it. And I said, well, it's got to be true. He said it. You know? <laughs> That's right. Aaron Rodgers, you know, was asked, do you think missing the OTAs might have hurt the chemistry with the wide receivers? And Rodgers said, absolutely not. And it of course it hurt. You got all these new receivers. Every snap counts. And, and, and your buddy said that. And, and so your your reply tweet uh, brought a smile to my face and a chuckle. Very good stuff. Yeah, but some guy said, well, just because they said it doesn't mean it's true. You know, like he took me seriously. I was saying that very tongue in cheek. Yep. Of course. Yeah. All right, we've got to rush out of here. Vinny and uh, Frank are uh, backstage, and they're raring to go for their uh, ice hockey show, NHL Talk. So that should be uh, great for all of you hockey fans. Stay on for just a second when we get off. Greg and I are going to talk about next week's schedule, which we're we're thinking about doing two shows next week because of all the news that should be coming down with player personnel decisions. So we'll uh, uh, make a decision on that and then let you know via social media. Greg, you're the absolute best. I am so glad that I'm back here uh, talking football with you. And for all of you, Barfly. You didn't puke on screen, so we're, we're ahead. <laughs> that's right. And I never wanted to, so that's that's a, a small victory for me. <laughs> so for everybody here at the Barroom Network, for Gabriel, Greg Gabriel, GTF, thank you all for watching. And let me roll thank the final all. video, and away we go. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.